Welcome to Murder We Watched. Tonight's episode, Footnote to Murder. We actually, Amanda, this is important. Jake might have forgotten that we're going to do this. We got our very first one-star review for the podcast. (gasps) What? Yes, it's here. Would you guys mind if I read it to you? Please. Amanda, uh, we need a what's what's our what's our music that I'm going to put to the background of him of him reading our one star review. Do we need have some like beatnik poetry music? Yeah, some slow jazz stuff. I'll add a little snaps too. Some like snaps. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. maybe I'll read it like it's a poem. I'll read it like it's a poem. Yeah, or something. This is this is real critique, guys. We, you know, we're taking this very seriously. This is very very seriously. Okay, so the the title of the review of Murder We Watched is if you want to listen to 13 years old jokes. This is your podcast. I was really trying to like this podcast because Murder, She Wrote is really silly. And, of course, I would to hear the funny remarks from other people, but this is no it. These are grown-up people joking like they are teenagers. The lame ones. I couldn't even finish the first episode with all the jokes about sex. Once in a while are funny, but they can get boring really fast, and that tells me that these two cannot keep me entertained or anyone, as a matter of fact. <laughs> 13 years old jokes. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I think there's some honest there's some honest critique in there. I do find 13 years old jokes very funny. <laughs> I do too. I think. But this is I no it. <laughs> this, is, this is no it. <laughs> I love this review. I think there's... <laughs> we love yeah, our thank fans. thank you. We especially love our fans that hate us. What sucks is they said they're not going to listen anymore, and that we only listened to the first episode. And I think we've improved on those thirteen years old jokes and our sex by tripling down on them and making them even more graphic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you do murder shirt without talking about the fact that there's always some weird sex stuff going on. Always, right? Like and this one too. This one even more so than the eighteen before. My eyes just widened thinking about this episode. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Murder We Watched, a podcast where, episode by episode, we break down the 1980s crime serial Murder, She Wrote, a show catered explicitly for elderly fucks. My name is Spencer Mirabel. I'm Jake Sanders. And today we are rejoined by our special guest, my cousin Amanda. Amanda, how you doing? How you feeling? Uh, okay. Okay. You know, just thinking about this episode. What was it like for you to rejoin Murder, She Wrote after all this time? I re- like I remember my grandparents watching it and my grandfather thinking it was total shit and now I'm an adult and I'm watching it and I'm like well yeah this is it's kind of crappy um, <laughs> but there's so much like 80s time capsule knowledge like you're watching it like ooh mm-hmm. mm. like I mean my grandparents are, grandparents are watching this in the 90s when it was still like okay to do and say a lot of these things so yeah uh, we, we've talked about it a lot on this on or sporadically on our podcast of like it's kind of fun to critique it for as a time capsule piece and like look at the 80s and look at like this was wrong this was weird this was just awkward this was embarrassing or this was really cool it's like shocking to see some of the things on screen and yet right this was pr- this was prime time television like <laughs> this would be <laughs> Yeah, this isn't like two o'clock in the afternoon before Judge Judy or Dr. Phil or something. This is what people were aching to see at the end of a Friday night after their busy work week. They're like trying to de-stress. This makes me more stressed. Watching the show (laughs) gives me heart palpitations. 
Is this now we had misogynistic men in the last time we featured you, right? So this is a you know we have a good re- an unfortunate. So this recurring- one is completely different than before. <laughs> I mean, there's misogyny. Like I, that was literally one of my uh, toxic masculinity was like one of my. <laughs> Can we see your color coded notes? I want to see the notes. Uh, I mean, no. I'm the printer- so jealous of you. You're so good at this. <laughs> like two parents who have small children, <laughs> we have color, but we don't have black and white. So you can see all my color coding, but um. Anything else you can't read? Actually, it's okay. I've got the notes here, like right next to right next to me, <laughs> with like on the computer. But yeah, um, whoa! Like, there's like attempted rape, and they like spend two seconds on it. You're like, oh, multiple times, okay. not just once, <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, this guy kind of deserved to die. <laughs> I've been racking my brain about this episode because I, I texted Spencer. I, oh, this ending's awful, but I sent it right before. A lot of it goes down and like, so they will get to the, I'm not going to spoil this early on, but the reveal happens. And I was, I was furious because it felt cheap and sudden and unexpected. And then as they revealed it, also those reveals felt like so much levity to these things that happened off screen randomly. And we get two seconds to sit with them. And I've just been racking my brain of, I don't like that, but maybe that's realistic i don't know i don't know is this a realistic approach to this situation it's not but how do you convey that in a tv setting i don't know there's a whole box of worms to unwrap here (laughs) right when you're supposed to have a happy ending like how do you deal with the fact that like yeah what happened happened and you know jb's reaction is like well you know that was bad and don't worry you're kind of like oh okay and then the credits roll and the fanfare goes and they freeze frame on a smile it's yeah (laughs) yeah i think i was thinking about this last night this might be the first episode where we have very different opinions about the total episode just based on the way you the three of us because again we try not to talk about the show but sometimes we'll text each other before we record just to let off any kind of steam from what we just experienced there's no way you can bottle that inside for that long but i think this might be the first episode we have a little bit i'm suspecting we might have a little differing opinions (laughs) a little tease for everybody i think it deserves an oscar everything about it is perfect not who complaints <laughs> so this is season one episode 19 footnote to murder quick synopsis a bunch of literary heavyweights with humongous egos are being honored at an awards ceremony uh, when the host of the award show is murdered and his unpublished manuscript goes missing jb sits out to clear the name of the prime suspect her alcoholic poet pal chorus <laughs> why go on and not even a last cigarette you're gonna kill yourself horace those cigarettes will be the death of you. <laughs> they do a number on him. I have never felt more personally attacked in my life and also uh, honored respectfully and accurately. Uh, <laughs> Spencer, I thought you were fantastic in this episode. Thank I wish you. you told me you were in this show before we started this podcast to see a drunk, depressed poet on screen. Man, you pu- you pulled it off. Oh, wait, here. sorry, looking at my notes. It was not you. I am sorry. That's embarrassing. Uh, I'm sorry. Come on, let's go. Oh, stop it. Tonight on Murder, She Wrote. Oh, please, no! I'm the assistant DA. I am personally taking charge of this case. Somebody has killed Hemsley Post. I'm almost positive I didn't do it. Would have figured to get knocked off by a poet. Writing wasn't the only way that Hemsley was burned out. She was even jealous of me. I gave him the keys so he'd remember my room number. I spent the evening and the entire night with the most romantic man. Please!
I have so much to say about him, but but I wanted to know for you, Amanda, what is your just overall feeling of this episode? I renamed the episode for myself, and it was um, Commie Alcoholic Poet and uh, Tropey Trope Writers. Like, that was... Like, it, it, like, I don't understand how they hate artists and writers so much. Like, That's they really point. did a number on him about how terrible everybody was. and He was like worst-case scenario Leonard Cohen. But enough talk about silly award business, all right? How is Elsie Perkins? You left Habit Cove strewn with broken hearts last summer. Interestingly enough, he was the most amazing part of it. I like he's, uh, okay. So this is where we're going to differ. Sorry, okay. I right. thought the Horace character was incredible. I thought hmm. it was so oh, wow. fantastic. And mostly because everything else in it was so ridiculous. And yet his ridiculousness topped them all. He was the tropiest of the tropey. And I think it's just more me reframing the show for myself lately and just wanting more of the craziness rather than it to feel normal. Sure. So I love the Horace character. And this is not me being a poet person liking the poet guy and thinking, <laughs> yes, that is me. That could be me. Yeah, uh, no, uh, Amanda, I'm looking for a new co-host if you're interested. I'm looking for a brand new co-host. Cause yeah, I- I'm not a commie poet, so, you know, <laughs> you might want me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I agree with you, Spence. I, I think it's nice to, like, the things we've been enjoying about revisiting the show are these absolute bonkers, elevated, cartoonish characters that are meant to be serious. I think he hits that. I don't know what it is. <laughs> What he was but trying to do there. He's not a good actor. There's moments in it that are just so ridiculous. Even the major thing of his character that comes up multiple times is the fact that his lighter is a little gun. Oh, so he put, yeah. The opening scene of the show is him in this like crummy diner. There's this loungy New York rainy night jazz music playing. Great opening. And then he's writing terrible, terrible, terrible melancholy poetry by speaking it aloud, by the way. Why go on? alone, rejected, with Cupid's turgid rights neglected. I don't know if you guys know this. In order to write poetry, you have to also speak aloud as you're writing it. <laughs> yeah. um, in you have public. to say it out loud in public in a rainy diner in New York City in order for a... On a napkin. On a napkin with a gun in your pocket. <laughs> and so <laughs> he's writing, gun. and he pulls a little gun out, and you're thinking, oh my god, is he going to commit suicide? I thought he was going to do it. I thought this episode was going to start with a guy just blowing his brains <laughs> out in a diner. <laughs> and then cue the, and then cue the music, because there's the murder, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. over. <laughs> and it freeze frames on his like corpse, and like that's right when Jessica <laughs> Fletcher like comes in through the diner door. Like, oh! He's <laughs> like, your poetry was horrible. Although, like, she doesn't come out and say it, but you can tell. She's like, hmm, oh, good luck. He reads one of his, like, drafts to her of something he's writing and it, yeah like spencer said it's some of the most just a, a awful i don't even i can't even think of metaphorical words to describe it it's terrible it sure made me feel better about myself as a writer um <laughs> but that's the thing is he pulls this little gun out and you're thinking he's gonna blow his brains out but this little gun is a lighter and that joke is done multiple times throughout the episode you say and joke, it's just it's not a joke the, i mean the writers assume it's a joke oh, okay. you know what i mean the writers are like isn't it so funny he everyone thinks he's gonna kill himself or he's gonna shoot somebody but really he's just trying to smoke a cigarette <laughs> and i think it's part of that humor a humor of it's not funny the first time but like the 500th time it's somehow your brain has gone to slush and it becomes funny they use it for that same gimmick he knows it's a lighter but the people around him don't there's a scene later on where they're at this poet laureate party or this writer party or the gotham awards it's the gotham awards he's in a confrontation with hemsley, hemsley post 
Hemsley. Ah, Hems. Old Hems. Total dick bag. Dick bag. Bastard. The, uh, definitive novel on the Vietnam War. I'd love to read it. Actually, no one's read it yet. That's the only copy. If you could come back tonight after the party. Oh, yes. Yes. I think I could read some of it to you. Uh, but they get in an argument and he pulls out the gun to light a cigarette, but people think it's a real gun. Ha 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 ha. Everyone's laughing. And it cuts to the same gag later on at the end of the show, too. Oh, it's all right, Jessica. It's all right. Please, no. Why, I ought to tear you apart, you pathetic wimp. I don't I don't get it. Strangely tasteless to me. I don't, I don't know. Oh, that was great. Okay. <laughs> you, you really like this guy. So let's sort of talk about the main character who is the, the person who is killed, the victim, and that is Hemsley Post. He's a washed up writer who hasn't had a novel out in years. And Jake, just so you know, a little tidbit mm-hmm. trivia, he is the voice actor for Triton from Disney's The Little Mermaid. Uh, uh, oh, oh, uh, that's so cool. Um, so the Disney executives watched this performance and thought, that's our man. How do we feel? I guess I didn't even need to ask this question. How do we feel about Hemsley? One, glad he died. Glad he died. Yes. In the stupidest way. <laughs> Who dies yeah, that quickly? From like, anyway, I'm, I don't want to get ahead. Ma- Amanda, um, how do you feel about him? Let's see what I got here. I'm pretty sure I wrote ew again. I write ew a lot when I uh, watch this show. How many W's after ew, though? Is it like just the regular one or is it like nine Ooh. W's? Oh, oh, I wrote yuck. Um, yeah. Ooh, oh, yuck ooh. is a, a, a level above, I think. Yeah. Uh, you took the extra effort here. to write one more letter in a word. It's in all caps. Yeah, he was just, uh, you know, rapey and gross and pompous and like doing weird push-ups. Like that's when we first meet him is he's like, I write about war. I do push-ups like. Two, uh, three, uh, four, uh, five, uh, six. Uh. All right, guys. We're introduced to him by doing, barely getting through seven push-ups. <laughs> and when he's doing them, he sounds like he's hacking up every organ in his body the first one is normal he just seems like he's tired but the more push-ups he does also i've never heard of someone out loud saying how many push-ups they're doing while they're doing push-ups alone uh can't wait can you do seven push-ups because i would probably struggle not i mean it's not like that you wouldn't struggle like that though i thought he was gonna die right there i was like is this it like he's just gonna have a heart attack and he, he just came off as gross all around. Everything he did and said was just really, uh, yeah, it was an affront to the senses. There's a couple people that he interacts interacts with at the start. There's uh, his ex-wife, who's one. He she knows that he has an unpublished book or a new manuscript that he's going to publish, and it's going it's already got like a six figure deal just to publish it and sell it. Hemsley, they say that uh, you've got a six figure advance on your new book. Let's discuss the $264,000 that I've loaned to you over the last seven years. She's like the first person to interact with him and say like, hey, uh, you know, I need I need my money. Uh, and she happens to interact with him right as the Gotham Book Awards, like press secretary kind of. is there, or not They're, they're like the award show assistant, like a, some sort of stage managery or some sort of person who's helping with the production of the Gotham Book Awards. Mr. I'm Tiffany Harrow, assistant awards coordinator. Tiffany, do come in. She's very interested in this unfinished manuscript. Almost to the point of like, you can kind of tell she wants to steal it. He's a skeevy, gross, disgusting man. And at this point, I thought, okay, maybe this will be the extent of it. 
He's kind of flirtatious, like unnecessarily flirtatious with women around him. He says weird, uncomfortable things, but I thought, okay, there's our villain. Oh yeah, I think I, I think I wrote down a couple things he said just because I, I, I just had to, you know, do a double take and read these to myself again. First of all, he said Kenya. I'll never forget the safari in Kenya. Yeah, there's like a moment where he lists off like three countries. He's like, haven't we uh, met somewhere before? Merakech, Nairobi. I've been to uh, Kenya, Congo. I love uh, the African continent. He loves uh, <laughs> Madagascar. Maybe you've heard of it. And then he says, and a strong, sweet, yearning body. That's when I really just wanted him to die. Uh, yeah. like, who, says that? who says that out loud? With a little on like a TV show that, you know, are children watching this? I don't know. <laughs> I really hope not. I hope not. Is Murder Shira trying to become like a midnight special type show? Are they trying to be like a late night sexy time show? A little risque. Yeah, well, because there's a line here when they had their whole first interaction. She again, as we mentioned, Tiffany, that's the gal's name, Tiffany Harrow is willing to do anything to kind of see this manuscript. And he's like, Well, after the show, why don't you come back to my room? You know, we can read this book mm-hmm. together. And she takes a drink from him and she says the line I find great literature very stimulating. I'm gonna gag. I'm gonna gag. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. The lines that usually in most episodes of the show come off as very hilarious. Like objectively in like Jake, if Ramon said that, we would It'd be hilarious. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> I, the the comedy elements could be there for this, and they are they're shown through Horace's character and the police detective, which we'll get to. Those two kind of become our comedic buffoons that are just meant to keep the tone balanced. Yeah. So the only other, I guess, just really quick housekeeping, the only other characters we kind of have as our suspects of who killed Hemsley. Uh, one is Frank Lipinski. He's just a regular blue collar guy who has been sending threatening letters and calling Hemsley. It's kind of insinuated that- It seems like he's a veteran. You don't answer my letters. You ignore my phone calls and you get tough with me, soldier boy. Ah! Oh, four months I've been waiting for some kind of an answer. His book was stolen by Hemsley. He knew Hemsley from Vietnam because Hemsley's book is about the entire, the most important book about Vietnam ever. Frank actually wrote this book based on his personal experience in the war and Hemsley stole it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think Frank's out to get him. We find that out much later, but Frank is usually the person we think throughout the most of the episode is the person who did it. Uh, there's Adrian Winslow, who's this pompous, well-to-do author who actually used to be the former secretary of Hemsley. It's the definitive novel on the Vietnamese War. Remarkable. As far as I know, you only spent a week in Vietnam as correspondent for Playboy. But at least it's not that prissy drivel you write, Adrian. Every character from Moulin Rouge wrapped into, he looks like the Duke from Moulin Rouge. (laughs) Why would the courtesan choose a penniless Sitar player over the Maharaja. There's a YouTube play of, or a musical of Jafar. It's like Jafar's perspective on Aladdin. And there's a side, this is so stupid. I'm just, I want to cut I, this we're, in. You're talking to the right people about this. Yeah, oh, okay, 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 oh, right, this. Right, right, right. oh, Twisted. It's called Twisted. It's a Jafar's <laughs> oh, perspective musical. I have heard this show. It's fantastic. I didn't realize that's what it was about. I didn't realize that was the premise. So. Yeah, it's highly recommended. It's a great watch, but there's a character in it that they steal from, or they, they rip off from the Disney... <laughs> film which i forgot about it's like a different prince that wanted to court uh jasmine and he constantly speaks like this and very uptight and very very personal everyone look at my ass (gasps) that's right claw marks is what you see it was a tiger 
Oh, I see. You received the manhood of a tiger. Yes. Yes, did you hear that, lads? Our prince made love to a tiger. All hail Ahmed, the tiger fucker. Tiger fucker! Tiger fucker! I did not fuck a tiger! That's what this character was in Murder, She Wrote, this Adrian guy. He's very persnickety and very uptight, and he just constantly is, is talking down to people unnecessarily. Now, he's a good villain. <laughs> he's, or not. Okay, I, we'll differ. So this is what you, I'm saying. I think, think we differ. <laughs> I was so bored by him. And again, because it's like, oh, I've seen this done better elsewhere. Like the Duke from Moulin Rouge. You know, the courtesan will be mine. You know, I've seen this ridiculous, <laughs> you know, over-the-top crap before. So I'm like, oh, this is like Kirkland brand Duke of Moulin Rouge guy. Right, right. Got a lot of Kirkland brand people on this show. Hey, Kirkland's better than Great Value, though. Yeah, I do like Kirkland. This this episode's sponsored by Kirkland. Kirkland, our podcast, Good Value Comedy. Kirkland, Murder We Watch. <laughs> so who's the chicken bake of our episode this week? Who's the meat, the real good thing you get at Costco? The chicken bake. Ooh, like who's our favorite? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, Horace looks baked most of the time. Uh, <laughs> Horace, so just, we've been talking a little bit about him. Horace is a poet guy who is also nominated. His uh, traits in his personality are, I always need a drink right now. I must smoke a cigarette at all times, even immediately after being punched in the face. And uh, I don't know what's going on right now. That's his entire personality. Didn't he say that he like doesn't even understand his own writing? He's like, uh, he's talking to the uh, the sex author who's like mm. tropey tropes. Um, she's like, I write about vaginas. Tell me about your poetry. And she, he's like, I, I don't know what I write. She's like, that sounds so yeah. beautiful. Well, he like, know he's <laughs> reading poetry to her and she's like, oh. Oh, God. Like, weird. <laughs> Thunder quivers, wings beat, <sighs> petals aching, oh. parting. Oh, it gives me goosebumps all over. <sighs> me too. What does it mean? I haven't the foggiest. What does that mean? Smoltering. Temp- yeah, again, Duke, <laughs> smoldering temptress. Move on, Rouge shit. When reading poetry, have you guys ever groaned? <laughs> I'm just- has there ever yeah. been like an involuntary? Oh, okay, okay. You know, sometimes I'm reading a little T.S. Eliot and I just go, "Oh, like a oh. sexual groan or like a ooh groan." I don't know. Oh, oh, May- well. <laughs> I mean, she was into it. She clearly was like getting off on it. Uh, sexual groans? Uh, no. Uh, no. Oh, okay. Can't, can't, can't no? Can't no. You shocked Jake there for a second. He was setting up a joke and he thought you were being serious. No, no, <laughs> no, no. no, no. I was no, like, no. I want to make sure we're not like. <laughs> Yeah, I was reading uh, T.S. Eliot's uh, The Gift of the Mad Guy last week, and I uh, it's the most aroused I've ever been. So there, I said it. I think all poets want to be Horace, because every, apparently every woman is in love with Horace. Like one, Jessica even mentions he left two women in Cabot Cove heartbroken. He is yeah. the most unsexy guy possible. Hey, what's that accent? Does, does anyone pick up on that? Like he had some kind of like little... It feels New York-y. He almost, sounds like Rufus Wayne, But not quite. But maybe, maybe it's like New Jersey. I don't know. It doesn't feel like your typical New York accent, but there's some New England flair to it. Yeah. Uh-oh, ladies' night segment. Hey, Amanda, we got a question. Uh-oh, ladies' night, drinks half off. Uh, thoughts on thoughts on Horace. Is he actually as hot as they portray? Mmm. <laughs> no. Okay. I just thought they treated him really crappy. Poetry used to be an art, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the romantic period. And now, I guess, at least in the 80s, like, poetry's like prissy shit 
Like, who? The poet mm-hmm. killed him. Oh, that's how he died. Like, that's... I, I really couldn't focus enough on him because he was such a char- like a caricature of, of a, like, beatnik, like, lazy, deadbeat poet. I didn't really think much about him. I was just so overwhelmed by, like, wow, like, all these people are so over the top. I don't know what to do. I'm, like, being attacked on all sides of this, like, <laughs> too much information. <laughs> the major thing I appreciated about him was he wasn't just, like, when he was set up with that melancholy poem at the beginning, I thought, oh, God, no. Like, it's just going to be someone who's so morose and depressed the whole time. But he was really goofy. Like, even when they're leaving the diner, he does this weird twirl. And then, like, the, what he does with his umbrella is really weird. And I think it's maybe that's why I enjoyed him, as I was worried he would just be this melancholy dour guy and he was mm-hmm. not that and that's all it, for me that's all it takes for uh, feeling represented uh, in the world of poetry <laughs> it's gonna be okay Spence didn't Lucinda like the, the vagina writer she was like oh he was amazing I spent the night with him they and he was like I don't together. even remember he, d- he was drunk the initial setup we'll kind of get to the beat by beat so the main setup is that Hemsley is killed by a sword inside of an umbrella which belongs to Horace, but there's a whole set of everyone's umbrellas being jumbled around and nobody has their right umbrella. So they think it's Horace and his alibi is, well, I went to the bar and then I blacked out. So maybe I did it. Did you murder Hemsley Post? Well, did you or didn't you? To be very honest with you, I I don't really remember. (laughs) You don't say that. You don't say that. You don't say that that at all. Why did he do that? Oh, God. New detective that we get in this episode thinks Horace is the most likely suspect just because he can't remember what happened that night. There's some fun shenanigans at a police station where Horace is supposed to go to jail, but oh, he slipped in with like the jury and they're free to go. They lost him. No, it was not a jury. It was prostitutes and their customers being questioned by a judge who likes the ladies and they thought he was one of the customers of the prostitutes but then they only took the only wanted to question the prostitutes and they thought he was just one of the schlubs so he got he escaped get rid of these guys sir we pulled judge weiler you know how he feels about bringing in the uh, customers all he wants is the girls everything about that scenario was hilarious to me so the so melvin comstock is the assistant da and he is so hell-bent on becoming famous or having like the limelight on him that he wants to get this case done lickety-split. He wants it done tonight. Thank you very, very much, Mrs. Fletcher, but I'm going to have to tell you I don't want any more of your interference, okay? Well, I, I was only trying to help. I don't need your help. I intend to have the murder of Hemsley Post in custody before the 6 o'clock news, so thank you and good night. So he's like, Horace is the guy. He doesn't remember what happened the end we're done and because he's trying to rush 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 everything horace escapes because he gets on he's being carried by one of the lieutenants on an elevator and while the lieutenant's talking to her horace the elevator closes and horace just goes down the elevator and escapes and he just leaves he's a fugitive that's normal this joke ends like the final payoff is he just turns himself back in yeah jessica makes him turn himself back in he doesn't realize he's a fugitive which again He's just really absent-minded, I guess, but that doesn't seem that complicated. You were being accused for murder and you just walked out of the police station. But then Jessica makes him come back and the reason he is cleared of his name is Lucinda is being the sex book lady is being questioned by Comstock. And she's like, well, I had the most amazing night with an amazing romantic man. She looks at Horace and he's like, whoa, great. Who's half asleep and drunk and dead. He's like, I wish I would have remembered that. (laughs) I spent the evening... And the entire night 
with the most romantic man, Horace. But if I spent the night in the arms of the love of Lucinda, then I couldn't possibly have murdered Hemsley Post. Imagine Lucinda Larkin not being able to remember. Well, maybe you didn't spend the night with her. What a, why is everyone so gross in this show? I God. I don't know why, but for some reason, he kind of reminds me, like, a really, I'm talking about Horace, like a really, like kind of like Mr. Bean, where he's just like, oh. <laughs> like, he just, like, ends up places. He's like, oh, I'm in the elevator now. Like. <laughs> Do we feel Horace's character would have been more redeemed and you guys would have been a bigger fan if played by Rowan Atkinson? Oh, of course. Yeah. Not unquestionable. Well, or course. what if it wasn't Horace? It was just Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, oh, the entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I'm mostly stuck on with him is they make him our tether to Jessica and also our suspect that we need to clear. I don't know. It felt like it, it was just like another added layer of complexity that was unnecessary. We already have, there's an umbrella that killed him that had the sword. We need to track down who had the umbrella. There's glasses that are a part of it. There's right. phone numbers. There's newspaper articles. There's so many juggling bits that some of them work really well. I really like a character we haven't mentioned yet. When does he have Excuse time me. to read anything? Excuse me. Uh, aren't you J.B. Fletcher? You know, Mrs. Fletcher, I'm a, I'm a writer too. Horace. Well, not a real writer, not yet, but... Um, I've written a, a short story, and I was wondering if you would read it and tell me what you think. Well, I'll be happy to read it. Oh, thank you. Thank oh, Debbie Delancey. Well, it's got a certain ring to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I thought it sounded literary when I <laughs> when I made it up. There's a character introduced named Debbie early on who's just trying to get a short. She's just a fan of authors, it seems like. She's trying to get her short, a short story to authors just to get opinions, and she tries to give it to Hemsley. He doesn't budge for lawyer reasons or unsolicited material. But Jessica Fletcher's interested. I liked her being a moving piece in the story because it felt more of like a mise-en-scene choice of just things will happen to keep the story going and progress. And she's this cool little small character that, here's my short story. Are you interested? Oh, 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 okay. And then we're back to the main murder plot. There was a lot of gray layering with like props in particular. You know, we always talk about the rules of the murder. So essentially when he's killed with a sword, there's a couple things found in the hotel room. There's a mm -hmm. pair of glasses, which I don't know about you guys. It was unmistakable who they belonged to me. And it yeah. pretty much helped me realize who it was <laughs> yeah, from the get go. <laughs> Maybe that's why this episode doesn't work. I'm not. I also want to clarify. I did not love this episode. I just loved Horace being goofy. Okay. Most of this episode is so medium, medium rare. It's not great. Sure. Um, but there's the glasses. There is a room key that belongs to a room on the uh, a floor that does not exist in this hotel. There's like a lipstick stain introduced. But because as you're mentioning, Jake, there's these great characters that are, could be mise-en-scene or just moving the chains or creating more commotion mm -hmm. that somehow, some way become the crux of the entire episode. For example, Tiffany Harrow, the room key belongs to Tiffany. And she's like, oh, I left it for him. So he'd come to my room, but I really just wanted his book. Look, we even see her with a manuscript, but uh-oh, little detail we didn't even know uh, existed. She just wants to be a book agent and she's reading some other manuscript. Hemsley Post's novel is missing. Oh, and I didn't take it. This is an autobiography by an old movie star. He's looking for a publisher, and I may represent this myself. What does she say? There's a line she says that's like, it's hard being a lonely lady. <sighs> oh, that was so tropey. Like, I'm a successful businesswoman, and all I want is love. Like, it was just really... It was... Life in the fast lane can be a little lonely. Jeez. What fast you. lane? Fuck We're going off. like 20 miles per hour. It's a school <laughs> zone. Book. Oh, One the book fast lane own. of book publications? Oh, I'm so, you must be exhausted from 
publishing books. But that's how you <laughs> make the money, right? About? Otherwise, you're a starving artist. Isn't that what she said at the party? That like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> the yeah. money's in publishing. Otherwise, you know, you're a loser, basically. Oh, I'm not a writer. By and large, writers starve. The power in money is in publishing. Ha <laughs> That is accurate. That is true. Um, anyway, oh, uh, uh, please buy so my is, book. This has God, been murder, she, murder We Watched. I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of these extemporaneous things that happen that lead to nothing. And it's the stuff that we weren't paying attention to that had no things spent time on it that end up being the crux of the episode. Again, she's knocking off the suspect list of who's who was there and who would most likely fit the motive. And Comstock, the, the lieutenant detective, is just not having it. He, I got to give his written character some props. I really like, we've had a couple cops that don't want her to be involved at all, but they usually kind of come around. And he's just a dick. And I yeah. kind of liked finally having some actual barrier that's not going to help her. He's just in it for the press. He has a new murder. He has the murderer of a, you know, or the uh, like a high famous author's. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, I didn't like his performance. It came off as, like, great value Al Pacino. All right, Lynchfield, let's stop shadow boxing. According to witnesses, you and Post had a fight at the cocktail party. You even threatened him with a gun. Oh, that's ridiculous. It was not a real gun. (laughs) (laughs) A couple times. Doesn't JB, like, chew him out? And, like, I kind of was like, oh. She's just like, you know, if you're not going to solve this murder, like... I'm going to do it. District Attorney Melvin Comstock personally arrested the murderer. A famous novelist, Hemsley Post. Now, you listen to me. Horace Lynch yes, yes, is yes. a gentle, kind man who is incapable yes, of hurting I, anyone. Listen. Obviously, it's more important wait, 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 for you to get your face Just on the open. evening news than it is to find out who killed Hemsley Post. Now, if you're too dense to find out who the real killer is, then I will. I'm talking! At first, I was a little worried about that, but I actually think, to Amanda's point, that proves being the best choice here because it, that enrages Jessica. She goes on a rant on him, and she it makes her more hell bent on sleuthing and figuring this out and going on this quest that she needs to go on to to uh, unframe her pal. Yeah, I loved that about him. Other than mm-hmm. his actual performance is. No, no, don't you dare. Don't you dare say good. Don't you awful. dare say It's good. awful. No, no, no. Oh, okay. I, I, I was I was I was having a a, a stroke. Oh. Uh, I, I was wondering what was going on there. I like what you said about her quest here though. She does get so much more invigorated and ready to solve it. And I, I don't think we talk enough about her performances in this show, but this is one of her best, I think. This was much yeah. higher echelon of her weekly performances on this weekly show. I was really on her side after that. When she did that, I was like, yeah, like, let's go find the murderer. Yeah, we start to knock off our characters. Uh, Adrian didn't, or it clearly isn't him. I can't remember what his motive would have been and why. He and Hemsley just have beef. He was Hemsley's secretary. Okay. They have and Hemsley makes fun of him. Yeah, because they have a little conference. They have like a little snipe at each other situation at the party, the gala. Not only like obviously above everybody, he's this classic starter, but they purposely made him... Like, Hemsley is this gruff, gross, sweaty push-up man. <laughs> they describe him as macho at one point. Adrian is this, pris- like, prissy. Like, they make him effeminate. Yeah. And I think they kind of they kind of hint that he might be gay when they're like, oh, his wife Alexis is kind of jealous of how close we were. Mm-hmm. But they don't, they don't go over the top with that. They don't, they're not cruel to him because of that, which is 
good, but I, you know, they obviously stereotype somebody who might be a writer and who might be gay, which is obviously not cool. Sure. Alexis had dropped posts. Oh, definitely no, quite the contrary. She drove Hemsley to those other women with all her jealous harping. I never realized you were so close. Yes, I used to be Hemsley's private secretary. Tiger fucker! Tiger fucker! Tiger! I did not fuck a tiger! Like you said, they don't demonize him, but there is sort of like a villainy to him. Even at the end, there's a scene where when she finally crosses him off her suspect list, it ends up being like a comp, like you have to court him a little bit. You have to compliment him just to have a good moment. Where are we? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know what I'm talking about. I. <laughs> Well, we watched so this last time. night. We watched this last night and I cannot remember anything that <laughs> happened. They spent so much time trying to put all the little like misdirects. Like you could see, oh, they're trying to make you think that they did it, but it's clear they didn't. And it was every single character and all these little right. details. And every single time you're like, I know this person didn't do it. So it kind of made it. Yeah, like you already kind of knew who did it right from the, the scene of the crime and then watching them mm-hmm. tripping over themselves to like incriminate and clear the names of all these people. You're like, uh, okay. Yeah. So the big you know elephant in the room is these pair of glasses. The only person who could possibly own them is Debbie, the gal who's a short story writer. But it's clear that these glasses belong to Debbie, which usually I ask at this part of the show who did the killing. We all thought it was Debbie, right? I am stupid and didn't catch on to this. So oh. forgive me. I didn't, I, just purely didn't put together glasses on her. I, I just missed it. I'm stupid. They were half the size of her face. Jim. I know. I don't know if you I remember know. that. I know. So, yeah, who did you think it was then, dude? I thought it was uh, her brother. Frank. Who, what's his Frank, yeah. Which so, that's the other thing is we find out in the end game that they are siblings. They so very often just bring up Vietnam as like a little seed here and there. Oh, Vietnam. Oh, Vietnam. And then it, it's revealed that Frank is who he is in relation to Hemsley. I don't know. I'm guilty of falling into the the traps that it laid for us as well, an audience. Well, I think that's but. understandable, though. I think because his character clearly has the strongest motive, and we also don't see him often enough that he's not giving us an exposition dump about that yet. We're hearing right. like little tidbits and snippets about it. When Jessica goes to talk to him at his shipping job or something, it's revealed by, uh, by the way, an extra, some whoever the what the guy. <laughs> about every, so, He apparently knows everything I, about Frank. <laughs> I came to see Frank Pinsky. He's around here somewhere. Nice guy. Real brain. Can't figure why he's doing working around here, though. Frank will make it. He's a real plugger. As soon as he sells that book. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. The one about the Vietnam. As far as I know, it's the only one he's wrote. I don't know. Maybe he's working on another. Oh, yeah. Frank, he probably just went to the back. He's been busy writing that new book of his. He is. He is. I swear he is writing that book of his. It's a Vietnam book. Everybody tells their boss about their novel they're writing as they're doing their shipping job. (laughs) Yeah. So we learn about him that way. And then there is a conversation where after Horace is cleared of his name, the DA goes after Frank and Frank does have the book. He has the briefcase that has Hemsley's book. And he literally says, you got me. I did it. I killed him. And that's at the second commercial break. And, and we still have eight minutes. And right there. Credits roll. And that's. No. Oh, oh it's still going. No, oh. there's eight more minutes left. Okay. <laughs> She reads his story, and or her story, that is, and her short story is about a girl whose brother goes off to the war. It's her experience of being a sibling of someone who goes off to Vietnam, and she's like, wow, this seems a little personal, and she connects the dots. Also connects the dots by she has the glasses accidentally in her purse and goes to an optometrist. It's a lot of effort. Can we... 
That's so much how, effort. How how do we even describe <laughs> to the listeners this end game? Like So, okay, I'm gonna try. Okay. I'm gonna try. I'm listening. Jessica doesn't know Hemsley's been murdered at the start. She goes to the apartment. The cops are there. They let her in. She accidentally grabs a pair of glasses and puts them in her purse. They just happen to be Debbie's, but we don't know that yet. So as she's crossing off all these suspect mm, lists, no. she realizes that these are the main clues. So she goes to an optometrist. She figures out there's astigmatism and, and she figures out the prescription, gets those lenses in a different pair of te- similar looking glasses to the ones she had on the second time she saw her Yeah, to trick Debbie into wearing these to prove that Debbie did it. And the way she explains it is, yeah, I went through all this effort because I just I had to be sure before I accused you because that would be really <laughs> crappy of me. So I- <laughs> Last night, the police arrested him for killing Hemsley Post. No, 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 that's not true. Debbie, he confessed. He lied to protect you. Those glasses you are wearing were found near Mr. Post's body. Of course, I had the frames changed to match your backup glasses. I'm sorry I had to deceive you, but I had to be sure that I was right before I made any accusations. <laughs> like, all right, so Jessica I, I, Fletcher I is an insane psychopath. <laughs> Is the only reason she knows that is Horace puts on the glasses, mention, mentions the glasses are too fem- feminine to be Macho Hemsley's glasses. Jessica looks at the taxi driver's mirror that has Horace in the reflection of it, and that makes her realize she has to go to the optometrist. Right, that it's Debbie. It's Debbie. Not the guy that was caught with the manuscript, not the... This ruined the whole episode. This, I thought the whole reveal of her performance was fine. I thought... I thought like, her performance was great. I was worried about the glasses. I, I, I couldn't remember where I had left them. Mrs. Fletcher, I'm... <laughs> oh, God, I didn't mean to kill him. It was an accident. I thought she was awesome, but it's unfortunate that it, it felt like a rug pull. I think the reason I wanted it to be Frank was his motive was set up probably the most clear cut of all of them. As, as far as an episode structure goes, too. It's very heavy handed. It's so clearly him. But like, maybe we need that sometimes. I don't know. Well, and it's also, too, it's not like she does it just because, oh, you stole my brother's book. I'm in a fucking murder you you know she mm-hmm. goes to meet him like oh he invites her to his room and y'all he it's attempted rape like and this the, yeah. the, the footage they show of it is grotesque over the top yeah. and we've seen some over the top grotesque stuff before there was an episode where a guy had one of those lock you in the room door buttons in his office we've seen stuff yeah. like that but the way they filmed the the flashback is just it, it's it's, re- it's really hard to care about the rest of the episode after that like there's a whole ending of the ending episode that's supposed to be funny but at that point i'm exhausted of empathy at this point yeah let's bring back the lighter gun that'll help <laughs> for the 15th time hey you know what really eases the tension after a rape scene and then it freezes like oh oh <laughs> the credit i want to give this ending reveal is that I think her performance is good. I th- uh, I don't know. If it had built up correctly, this would have been a really great reveal. And this is, yeah. it's super intense, and it's such a serious subject matter. Unfortunately, all of the 50 minutes leading up to that are so jumbled and so tonally imbalanced that by the time you get to the super serious, the wind is taken out of your breath because it just doesn't fit, and it's so sh- just shocking. Mr. Post saw me approaching the other riders in the hotel lobby and he asked me up to his hotel room after the party to discuss my future i wasn't really sure what i was gonna do i you know talk to him or 
Maybe just grab the, the manuscript and run, but I was not prepared for what happened because I, I didn't mean to kill him. It was an accident. Then you took the briefcase with the manuscript and gave it to Frank? Yeah, he had stolen Frank's novel almost word for word. Look, I have to go to the police, Mrs. Fletcher. I just can't let Frank lie for me. It was almost like they were worried that they, like, didn't want to say or make too much of an opinion about sexual assault. JB was like, well, uh, you know, I think you could turn yourself in. you got a really convincing case for, uh, you know, self-defense. But, like, yeah, they really don't want to... And she even says, like, I'm on my way to the police station in the next few minutes. Yeah, like, they, they don't really want to address a lot of these tough topics. And that's an interesting point, too, of why... <sighs> Uh, why include them if you can't if you can't answer the call? It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. But why approach it? Why approach that that subject if you can't handle it? Right. You know, it's admirable that they tried. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. It's shocking. It's mostly shocking in the context of the episode we've <laughs> sat and watched through. Yeah, uh, Horace bumblingly escaping, being arrested, and getting lumped into a group of prostitutes and their customers, and also being uh, a rape being interrupted by someone being stabbed by an umbrella. That was also. Can we talk about how the all, all the umbrellas got jumbled? <laughs> yeah, that was and a that's strange re- little detail that they like Why did were ever, fixated on. Obsessed Wait, with the what, umbrella situation. Was it still raining? I, I mean, I guess like the opening scene and like someone's rollerblading in the rain, which I mean, oh my god, how oh, is that guy doing that? I, He's amazing. Because the opening shots are are stock footage shots of New York when it's raining, and I was like, man, New York in the eighties may have been gross, but when it's raining, it's just so moody and cool and beautiful. washing the muck away. And then the moment they cut to the Los Angeles backlot set, where they were, there's just some <laughs> some guy roller skating in the rain with an, with an umbrella. <laughs> cut him it, out. It was like singing in the rain at a roller rink. Hey, umbrellas, guys, remember? <laughs> remember roller rinks? Actually, I do miss roller rinks. I really want to go to a roller rink. Oh, yeah, rollerblading was the thing. There's one in Orp near Portland uh, at, like, a really crappy, disgusting, like, amusement park. But the best part of it is this roller rink that you can go to. And they have that <laughs> Simpsons arcade game. Do you guys remember that? Where you could, like... I'm I just don't. trying to talk about anything else about this episode. Oh, anything else. Yeah. <laughs> is this a pinball machine? I mean, are we going to we gonna show our listeners how old we are? I mean, are there any Gen Zers that listen? Well, Maybe. based on this review, uh, may, no. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. That person sounded like they could be 13. No offense to them. I'm sure you're a lovely person, whoever you are. I love their review. I I, I wish they would listen to more. I wanted to bring up one scene. I laughed out loud. This is your bumbling humor hour? Oh, yeah, yeah. Not to jump the gun on bumbling humor hour. So she gets Horace cleared from the police station. And it's so clearly like, we have one take. We just need to get this shot. They filled this police uh, like set filled with extras. There's like 30 extras in this hallway. And... This extra just fucking blasts right in between them. There's no reason for it. You can see him coming down the hall, and he just, like, sprints angrily through. Oh, so funny. That's what so this episode funny. does to our senses. Just, like, Exactly. Uh, I want. I wish you go. We should go check the tape because you know who I think it was. Because he's really upset when everyone gets too close to Jessica. Because that's his gal. I think it was Grady. <laughs> he's, he's he's in every episode. I'm trying to figure out where he. He's, he's in every New York episode, and he was not in this one. Because the whole idea is that he's he's creating all these murders in order to 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 impress her. It's his master okay, plan. Okay. So, so, so if if Grady is the killer in this, he had to convince Debbie to convince her brother to join in a conspiracy to kill off this writer. I can't. I'm he not was doing, friends I'm with not Frank. He this. was friends with Frank and, and encouraged him to enlist in Vietnam. 
Heavy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, we're oh. done with that. We're done with that one. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't even remember that Vietnam shot too. That was a. It's like, oh, remember Vietnam? Like. <laughs> Like, yeah, all these nonchalant backdrops of like war trauma that all of that Frank clearly has. I mean, I do you have a bumbling humor hour candidate, or is there any moment that was just? I thought it was the lieutenant that literally lost him, and he was going down the elevator, and the guy was like, "Oh no, oh. what do I do now?" And then when he explains <laughs> what he did to Comstock, he's like, "Where is this guy?" And he's like, "I don't know. I lost him. You're fired." <laughs> You're a bad cop. Out of the... Get out. You're done. Hey, ma'am. Everybody knows Comstock is a real jerk. But for now... Well, couldn't he just run down the stairs and confront him? Like, there can't be that many floors in this this building. Yeah, take the guy. Right? There's many, like, weird door scenarios. This isn't really my bumbling humor hour moment, but when Jessica finds Horace after he's escaped and they're in one of those uh, revolving glass door things the, oh, you know what i'm yeah. talking about and they like can I, can't the, one's going in is the other one's going out oh. Horace, jessica oh. to be fair those those revolving doors make me kind of uncomfortable so horace hiya jessica wait a minute, wait a minute. oh horace where where have you been we've been looking all over for you but they let me go i knew it had to be some kind of mistake oh but now you're a fugitive which makes things even worse now come on you must go and see mr comstock and turn yourself uh, in i suppose so but could we get myself a little drink first no so yeah yeah, it ends on an award ceremony. They go to the Gotham Awards and they leave early. And then no, Horace- no, specifically, Horace leaves in the middle of his speech from winning. It just leaves. He's like, I'm done. Bye. I don't get <laughs> I love like it. Him. I, I love hate it. Him. I can't stand him. Ugh. <laughs> uh, they leave. They go to the gift shop to grab some smokes real quick or something. Horace pulls out his old trusty gun lighter. <laughs> It's and the smallest, like, no gun is that small. Like, <laughs> no, I really want to. That, that exists. It's it exists. the size of, like, my thumb. And they call, like, they press the alarm and it ends on a freeze frame as he says something like, I should really stop smoking or something like that. And she's like, you should probably stop drinking, too. And he's like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's <And>. not going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> what I need is some cigarettes and a stiff drink. Let's get out of here, okay? You might also consider giving up uh, cigarettes. And that's this. <laughs> yeah, there it is. If you're not an artist that makes money, you are dog shit. Like right. that is the, the the mythos thesis statement about these artist characters we get. Either they are either they are Jessica Fletcher's level, where they're just refined, rich, well-to-do people, or you are literally a criminal. Mm-hmm. or a deadbeat or a drunk or some kind. Uh, in the pantheon of murder she wrote, this episode reminded me of It's a Dog's Life where some of the goofiest funny moments happen in this episode but also the most egregious. It's it's so offensive. It's so disrespectful in so many 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 ways. Right. And uh, as you mentioned, Jake, like if you're going to approach something like attempted rape, pro- treat it with dignity or, or like actually actually have something to say about it or maybe just don't include it. Don't include or it don't at include all. It, or right. if, you, if you're not going to have anything to say about it, the emotional resonance has to be utmost seriousness with the top, like the subject and the approach and the performances and everything in between. Probably strange references. What I was thinking of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, not with the the rape scene in that, but more of like the reveal at the end, how it's the little clues have been left all along as you're experiencing the story. And it's a twist of a reveal, 
that the person he thought was murdered is actually still alive. But you realize by the end, oh, that makes sense. Everything in between was flavor, but it all led up to this reveal. With this, it's 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 like that on foundation, but in practice and execution, it's it's jarring, offensive, it's strange. It's yeah, a I don't know. footnote. It's a footnote. To yeah, wait a minute. Is footnote like because it's like a writing term? But he's a poet. Where is he going to put other footnotes in poetry? Spencer, help. <laughs> Oh, Spencer's dead. Spencer just died. Spencer's He's gone. dead. Spencer's gone. Oh, Amanda, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's a delightful well, little bit even... of 80s culture. Yeah, Mandy, how do you feel in comparison from this one to your first foray with us? Was it better? Was it worse? Do you hate us more or less? Oh, I think no. we need to start sending gift baskets to our guests because this is. I do want to make stickers that say "I survived murder." We watched and have. Do like... I get a gun lighter? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Like, we get right. like a dollar store trinket bag of like references to things in the episodes that they were in. Or I want a keychain so. with like a weird JB face. I know the very screenshot I want on it. The last episode we had you on for was the ballet one. Yeah, the Russian, the, the terrible accents. So yeah, how does this how does this compare? Honestly, I had a harder time finding out the killer in the other episode. I was kind of floored at first. I was like, is it a, is it Arena? Is it? I, I hope it's Skip. I hate him. This one was like, mm-hmm. I know who the murderer is. I see what they're trying to do. There was a lot of potential in this episode for some really fun murder, hijinks, mystery, trying to figure out who it is with all these little putting pieces together. And it kind of fell short because it was really all over the place. And it brought up some really tough things and glossed over it. And then it was like, whoop, but it's still funny. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I guess this is better. Okay, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I, uh... Murder, she wrote. I guess this one's better. <laughs> It can only get better from here. No, I think you I think you hit the nail right on the head. I couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. This was a tonal mess, and that's the understatement of the year. And it's only February. <laughs> so. How many more episodes you guys got? Oh, please. We're close. <laughs> please. No, no, no. I'm Help feeling us. I'm feeling triumphant. We're very close to the end of season one. We're almost done with this one. We got We got four more. One, two, three, four. Four, okay. Wow. I'm curious to know this one because I have no idea what you guys are going to say, but who would you keep from this episode to return? If Besides JB, of course, obviously most of these characters will not return. Which of these characters would we even consider remotely maybe showing up, if not even just to barrel through two other characters and walk on by? I liked Alexis Post. She was yeah, like, the, the estranged wife of, of oh, yeah. Hemsley, like, the fashion designer. She says, I put I wrote this down because I was like, all right. She's- if you don't sign that contract, I'll take you to court and I will squeeze you drier than a camel's backside. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, God. I all mean, right. gross, gross visual, but sure. I mean, the attitude is there. She was a. Uh, I mean, they made they painted her kind of bitter, uh, you know. But still, she. Uh, I mean, if you were married to Hemsley Post, <laughs> wouldn't I'd- you be bitter? <laughs> yeah. Give me my money. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I'm yeah. Actually, now that you're saying it, I think I'm gonna agree with you. I loved Horace. Horace should come back. I don't care that you guys don't like him. I don't care at all. You need a Horace T-shirt. I, I think I need to style my hair like Horace. I think I need a gun lighter. I don't. Smoke, so you, so but you need I, to buy a toupee like Horace did. It looked like a toupee. I think Is I just have not? to get a, a bowl cut. I think I just have to cut the whatever sort of mullet situation I'm having right <laughs> I now. Didn't even notice that. Oh god. I guess to also I would say surprisingly, even though when I first met him, I hated him. I thought. Comstock was such an amazing antithesis and the strength of the episode was how pissed off 
he made JB, not him as character. I think his his character as a plot point to move her forward is really strong. I agree. So as Jake said, this is one of the best Angela Lansbury performances in the show so far. Mm-hmm. Jessica Fletcher is stronger than she's ever been before. So there's not a character super horny for Jessica in this episode, which was kind of a relief. I, and if there was one, I can't remember it. So that in and of itself is better than all the others. There wasn't. There was kind of... No, there wasn't. I'm not... <laughs> I'm going to read into what? stuff that's not there. Maybe, maybe the, the, like, the shipment boss, the guy in charge of the docks or whatever. But it's not even there. It's just like, he's like, I love my employees. I learn everything I can about them. Every single one of them. I learn their passions, their hobbies. Maybe he's just a good boss. Huh? Let's bring him back. Forget all our characters. Let's I bring that guy back. back. <laughs> <laughs> we need more good bosses who care about what we're doing. That'll read my novel. I mean, I don't have a novel. My Vietnam novel. Yeah, that was season one, episode 19, Footnote to Murder. Amanda, thanks so much for weathering the uh, rollerblading in the rainstorm that we just experienced. (laughs) I want to be that talented, but yeah, thank you for having me back on. It was fun. Absolute pleasure. I'm so sorry we had another misogynistic asshole episode, but you know. I don't think there's ever going to be an episode we could give you that's not, unfortunately. Every (laughs) every episode is like that. Thank you for listening to Murder We Watched. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, follow us on Spotify, and leave a review on Apple Podcast. It really does help us out.